0: I might get Oscar weekly It's M-M-O-Weekly
1: Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome! A show that comes to you once a week, covering the Hollywood Week that was, getting you ready for the Holly Weird Week to come, and we're going international this week as we bring you a special episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly on a weekend, covering the Cannes Film Festival that just wrapped up. Uh, we're recording this May 25th. Uh, I'm going to call it Cannes until I die. I am your co-host Mike One. this is co-host also Mike.
0: Also Mike, the trepidation over this episode is solely based on the pronunciation of French words, so I apologize for all of it. Let me be
1: honest, I was reciting some French words before you got here in preparation for this episode. I was nailing it. <laughs> you were not
0: nailing
1: it. You were not. But that's where we're going to start with this one. Ken just wrapped up, and we're going to give you a much needed, much anticipated, long awaited Oscar race update to kick off the last week of May for your last weekend uh, with MMO Week. The Oscar goes to. And the
0: winner is.
1: And the Oscar goes to. The winner is. The Oscar
0: goes to. MMOW's Oscar race update.
1: All right, Mike, like we said, Cannes just wrapped up in Parasite. Uh, this is not a word I'm going to pronounce correctly. Jeezus Chung I think, by Bong Joon-ho, won the Palme d'Or, which is the best picture, the biggest prize over there at the Cannes Film Festival. What is it? What do we have on it?
0: Synopsis reads, All unemployed, Kitek's family takes particular interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident This is Bong Joon-ho of The Host, Snowpiercer, Memories of Murder, a lot of terrific films that we've been loving over the last 20 years. I mean, he's developed this reputation, Mike, for just making one good movie after the next. So it's really cool to see can you know pay him homage at this high level 86 meta score too by the critics.
1: Yeah, very high early scores. I listened to the dais which was Alfonso Cuaron was the head there and all the the judges after the awards were announced and he mm. kind of hammered at The idea was that the winners were kind of these films with a purpose and a movement and more akin to what you'd see in headlines, which I guess makes sense because everything we've heard, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood debuted at Cannes, the Tarantino film. We're going to have more on that in a minute. It didn't win anything, but all the films that did win seem to have something... Related to more what you would see in a headline of a newspaper, more so than what we've heard about once upon a time in Hollywood, which is basically a love letter from Tarantino to
0: old Hollywood. So this is strange because Cannes Film Festival has a lot of articles came out over recent days, Hollywood Reporter, etc. They're fighting for relevancy, right? Yes. I I kept seeing that same headline. Sure. Fighting for relevancy. So this would make some sense that they're going to have some fuel charge, politically charged. You know, movements of the day charged films get awards, and we want to draw attention to these films to get us some attention. Which makes me rethink what the hell the whole Netflix controversy was. Was that Can pushing the controversy against Netflix, and now Netflix is backing off? I that's my guess. That's my read. So, in other words, you think that Can wanted an issue movie from Netflix? What are you saying? I think Can wanted a controversy with Netflix. They want to keep all news as good news as far as cancer is concerned. Whereas Netflix is like, just get me the hell out of this situation. I don't think Netflix gives a
1: shit about any of these organizations, to be honest, the more I think about it. Like, I don't think they care about the film festivals. I don't think they care about the Academy insofar as the prestige of it all. I think they care about making
0: money. But I do think they care about being... Eligible for Oscars because it adds prestige and it it enables them to bring in people. Yeah, Yeah, sure for that aspect. Right, but
1: yeah, I think they're they're like any other big corporation in Hollywood. I think they're kind of their own business right now. They've taken over that mid-budget movie making industry. That entire genre of movies, if you can call it that, is now on Netflix, Mm -hmm. right? And they don't really have a competitor in that space. Disney Plus probably isn't going to compete with them. I mean, Disney's going to be their own kind of unique original marketing original content type stuff so i don't i i think you might be onto something there that netflix has kind of just been a victim of life circumstances here and people are trying to get their name let's not off. feel bad for Netflix. i don't feel bad for them I at all either. i just think i think they're kind of minding their own business trying to make money in any way they can and they see these other uh i don't i think the Cannes Film Festival may be more at fault than something like the Academy. I'll say that too, which okay. is not to say the Academy is blameless for anything they do. But I don't. I, I think there's more of a case to be made that Cannes is trying to make a name off Netflix than the Academy is trying. I think the Academy is just trying to protect their brand, and that may overextend into trying to tell Netflix what to do. And Netflix may just be there like... Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, whatever, man. (laughs) So Bong Joon-ho, the parasite, it was a... That synopsis you gave, it's a very class warfare, classism type movie. The Grand Prix winner, which was Atlantics, deals with similar issues. These are, again, the movies of the day, movies of the moment. It's not shocking to see that something like Tarantino's movie did get shut out at something like Cannes. We talked about a couple weeks ago, it wasn't even supposed to debut at Cannes. It was going to go forgo the film festival circuit altogether and maybe just have a Hollywood opening. So the fact that it got in at all probably just tells you how sure tarantino is that it's a solid movie which of course it seems like it is and everyone's going to be up in arms about it we're going to talk about its latest trailer as well
0: in a little bit so, Atlantics by Matty Jopp. And this award has been given out recently to Black Klansman, Son of Saul. So, some well-known and future Oscar-nominated and winning films have been in this category. It's essentially, the Grand Prix is essentially the second, second place, place award, Yeah, right? it's it's not... Uh, silver. I, it's, yeah, the first Ain't nothing around. wrong with silver, <laughs> Ricky the, Bobby. The
1: first loser. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the second place of the Grand Prix award. That did go to Atlantics, like you said. The 2009 movie from writer-director Matty Dieppe. It sounds like it's kind of the same genre, even though that's a documentary short, and this is a feature-length film that she's doing in 2019, so I think it's hitting on the same themes, but obviously they're different plots and different structures. Okay,
0: so you got a prop premise here. Uh, In a popular suburb of Dakar, workers on the construction site of a futuristic tower, without pay for months, decide to leave the country by the ocean for a better future. Among them is Suleiman, the lover of Ada, promise to another so it goes back to what we were
1: just talking about yes this is like a classism type thing it's somebody poor it sounds like somebody poor who's working for the extremely wealthy and extremely rich and doesn't get paid very well and is trying to escape that life is immigration not a big topic of the day in, in day-to-day living right now sure. in politics and headlines so this is these are some of the highlights that coron was trying to like mention as being the the head and i actually kind of felt bad for alfonso coron on the dais because every question was tailored towards him because he was the name and he kept trying to deflect to other members of the jury to make sure they had their time in the sun but he it kind of fell on him and he was the one giving these explanations uh but i can't really disagree because i think for these film festivals i don't know how you feel personally i think these film festivals should be highlighting you don't need to highlight the biggest movies right you don't need to reward once upon a time in Hollywood yet because that's made for the oscars
0: Yeah, on the one hand. On the other hand, let's just pick the best movies. Isn't that always... Is that going to become a tagline of ours at some point? But I have no idea. We have seen none of these films. And the fact that they're just picking issue movie, issue movie. You know, fine. We got on the best documentary category for this, correct? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I I just also think that, you know,
1: a small film festival should do... Not that can is small, but a film festival should do, kind of. They should have their own statement. That's the place, at least to me, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that's the place where you can make a statement, and the Oscars should not be the place to make statements. The Oscars should be picking the best movie, right. and that's kind of where it falls in line. So for me, if you want to say, if, if, if Cuaron came out and said... The Oscars are where we're only going to pick issue movies. I would have more of a problem with that than him saying it here, I guess is my overall point. Uh, I, have, I have less of an issue with that. Let's talk about a little bit of you. history of the Palme d'Or, though. It is the big uh, award given out at Cannes every year. No American has won this award since Terrence Malik did so for The Tree of Life back in 2011, which he eventually turned into three Oscar noms for Best Picture, Cinematography, and Directing then. Uh, an Oscar nom, even in the international film category, though, is not a guarantee with a Palme d'Or win, as the previous ten winners of the award at can only five of those went on to receive oscar noms and of those five only three were nominated in more categories than just the foreign slash international film one it is now of course called the international feature category we had a whole news uh, segment on that and the oscars renamed that category no longer the foreign film category white ribbon in 2009 was nominated for best foreign film then and cinematography the aforementioned tree of life in 2011 not a foreign film but was nominated for those three categories in the oscars as well and the picture with the most Oscar nominees for a palm winner since 2002 was a more in 2012 which was nominated for foreign film picture original screenplay director and lead actress that 2002 movie that i just said was of course the pianist roman polanski we need to shower him with love because (laughs)
0: hollywood so my biggest takeaway of the Cannes film festival over the last few years just following it at a cursory level Mm -hmm. uh for our pod and from afar because we love movies Mike, it feels to me like the buzz coming out of Cannes is more important than the awards bestowed upon movies. And I, I just think, I mean, yeah, you can, you know, integrate the two where it, it they get some more buzz. But when, when Black Klansman gets a really positive yeah. reception coming out of there, gets a standing ovation, now you got a movie that has a lot of supporters.
1: You know, it's, it's kind of a nationalist view, but to me, when you say that, I feel like, yes, that's true if it's an American movie. Like, and when an American movie does well at an international film festival, then I feel like the momentum keeps up. But for something like... Even go back, I feel like Shoplifters, which won the Palm last year, yeah. didn't really get a whole lot of momentum from Can. I feel like it was otherwise and was just a word of mouth and people seeing it. I don't feel like the the, the momentum from Cannes and winning winning the biggest prize at Cannes mm-hmm. did a lot for it last year, even though it was not eventually nominated at the Oscars as well for international features. So I feel like when it's something done and maybe that's because we're all, you know, Americans and it's we're all biased in somewhere in our mindsets, that's what it's for. I feel like when it's an American picture, yes. The momentum matters more than the award. Skeeter, the frogs liked it. (laughs) Right. We gotta go see it. Because truly, like, if you think about last year, Black Klansman, I feel like, was talked about its success at Cannes much more than Shoplifters, and Shoplifters won the whole thing you sure.
0: know what I mean? So, I, I think well, there's that, that and... That's me, yeah, that's what I think as well I mean, I know Pulp Fiction won more right. stuff back in the day, but that was the big story coming out of that festival, Pulp Fiction lit it on fire and Inglorious Bastards, and right. all, like Tarantino loves to go there, Spike Lee loves to go there we typically come away with a big story, and you know, the big story we're going to get into a minute involves a, a Tarantino film, so uh, let, let's continue to run it down though, Mike Couple other
1: awards, big awards here Best Actor went to Antonio Banderas for Delore e Gloria, or translates to pain and glory. It's a biopic that isn't quite a biopic of writer director Pedro Almodovar, which only took me 17 attempts to take, thanks to the magic of editing and get still wrong. Uh, <laughs> Almodovar worked with Banderas previously in The Skin I Live in from 2011. What a movie that was! <laughs> worked with Penelope Cruz, who was also was the female lead in this film as well. Oh, I love uh, Volver. In 20- 2006 Hell Volver. Hell of <laughs> Bandera's having a big year, too. It just came off both Emmy and Golden Globe noms for his work as Picasso on the TV show Genius. So that's great. Like to see him back in the saddle. Like to see him contending for Best Actor Awards. That's nice to see. And it's also curious that it's a, a known name. Uh, probably one of the more famous lead actors at the Cannes Film Festival, to be eligible for this award. Let's go.
0: Year of Antonio Banderas. Best Actress went to Emily Beecham from the film Little Joe, directed by Jessica Hausner. The premise reads, Alice, a single mother, is a dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing new species. (laughs) Against company policies, she takes one home as a gift for her teenage son, Joe. Do you know Emily Beecham? Are you familiar with her work? I, I I'm not. I
1: only ask because I'm not at all, and I had to look her up. But apparently, she's been doing acting since 2006. She's a British actress, and she's been in a lot of BBC stuff, including the BBC movie in 2013 called The Thirteenth Tale, which starred Vanessa Redgrave,
0: Sophie Turner, and Olivia Coleman. Which sounds like the most alluring movie I've ever heard of. <laughs> I've never seen that. Apparently she was in Hail Caesar and Daphne. I wanted to see Daphne like a hundred times yeah, back she's, in 2017.
1: I, it's not something I'm familiar with, but she's apparently been a
0: lead. Not just an yeah. actress, but like a lead actress in a, a long time now, a couple uh, years. Yeah, Daphne was just always on my list and I just never got to it that year. And now I look like an idiot after she wins Best
1: actors. <laughs> Just running down a couple other awards that were handed out. We're not going to go through every single one. You can get that list all over the internet.
0: IndieWire, um, they do the best job.
1: Certainly head. do. So go sign that. Bukharal won the jury prize there. Uh, Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardenne won Best Director for La Joanne Amen, or Young Ahmed. Oh, no. Yeah, I nailed that. <laughs> uh, Young Ahmed it has the premise of a, a boy, teen, plotting to kill his teacher because he has accepted an extremist view of the Quran. Sounds again. We're talking about rewarding movies of the moment and of rewarding things that are very on the nose, and you could see in the headlines. Heavy. yeah, that's uh, that's out there. Intense. And Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was another one we've previewed that a couple times in right. some different MMO weeklies. That did win for best
0: screenplay. Celine Shyama, breakout star, look looks to be this year. All right, let's get into the movie of the moment. That is, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mike it got a great reception, huh? So
1: depending on what source you want to believe, this either got a seven minute standing ovation or a six minute standing ovation, which apparently matters because whoever is in charge of keeping track of the standing ovations in can, there's a record that Fahrenheit nine eleven set I saw of a twenty minute standing ovation, which is still the longest standing ovation on record. at can so that shit matters apparently. <laughs> apparently, imagine being the guy. It's like, what do you do? <laughs> I timed the standing ovations at I the Cannesville Festival. I timed the clap. <laughs> So, you what? Yes, this one paled in comparison. <laughs> I'm creating a character out of this person right now. <laughs> oh, no, it's accurate, yes. This, <laughs> this, it's it's uh, the butler from Mr. Deeds. <laughs> it's John Turturro's character from Mr. Deeds with the socks. Oh, it's so stupid. Can I change your socks? Yeah, uh, apparently this one got a six or seven minute standing ovation. I thought it might actually be in contention before I realized the prism with which they were rewarding all these films, which again, makes a lot of sense, but it did make it sure of headlines. Obviously, you have the trailer, we're going to touch on that in a second, but probably the biggest news uh, or or at least forced story that came out of this, was the whole Quentin Tarantino snaps at reporter headline.
0: So Quentin Tarantino has snapped at a lot of reporters in his days. And actually snapped, yes. <laughs> snaps and 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 gotten angry yes. and really nasty to reporters. So he probably has some grudges with people and vice versa. No doubt. Guess. No doubt. This didn't seem that severe. This basically, he's just like, I reject your premise. And he said it like that. He kind of...
1: It was a question brought up, I think, by the New York Times. I, I'm, I'm not going to double check. Somebody uh, it was a female. I think it's a anyway. Uh, it was a female reporter asking basically, essentially, why did you use Margot Robbie as just window dressing for this movie? Why doesn't she have more lines? She seems to just be standing around a lot. She doesn't really have a lot. Big part in this movie. Blah, blah, blah. And the way in which the question was asked, I thought well, the first time I heard it, I thought it was fair. And then the more I think about it, it really came from a very accusatory place. I felt like, and I feel like if you're going to ask the question with Margot Robbie sitting right there, if you don't want to turn this into a potential issue, why wouldn't you just ask Margot Robbie? Hey, Margot, what did you think about your role in this film? Did you did you have any fulfillment? Because to her credit, Margot, after Quentin did yep. was rude, and he was rude. I mean, he was rude. I don't. I wouldn't classify it as a snap, but he was rude. Margot picked up and answered the question very thoughtfully and earnestly and gave a
0: complete answer. Next week on ABC Prime Time. Yeah. The Snap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Do, and all he the, say, do you remember the slap? Yes, I do. It lasted like three episodes. <laughs> I don't know if was on ABC or what.
1: <laughs> but he, he, I mean, he did say it pretty much like you just said it. I reject your hypothesis. And uh, yeah, yeah that was an it was a rude response. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I wouldn't. Listen, if that's snapping, and I said this, I think, to Sasha Stone. I, like, if that's snapping, my mother has sacrificed me before. You know, if that's what snapping <laughs> is. So, it's okay, and where I'm from. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you speak loudly, and all your kin do speak loudly. So, <laughs> probably, and so do mine, for, for that matter. We're used to it. That being said, maybe there's bad blood between sure. the New York Times and Quentin Tarantino going Very way Very 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 possible. Uh, you know, he's been in their, their paper for a variety of not so, you know, happy things. Now, in this particular situation, did he make her a beautiful woman into window dressing? Into, you know, objectified territory where she just doesn't have lines and she's playing this renowned character of Sharon Tate? Mm-hmm. Does the presence of Sharon Tate and the Manson family, you know, if you're building up to the ending of that story, do you not want to get to know that character because of the fate? familial implications
1: I mean, this she's was a very whole, real person
0: yeah i mean you know? this was the whole issue i had with the movie like this movie seems like a rip-roaring good time except the fact that we have the manson family well it did until
1: tape. it did it did until this latest trailer i agree yeah
0: all right that's just hanging over the movie yeah like you you can't have a rip-roaring good time unless you rewrite the history at the end with that ending
1: yeah again look Did this happen? Is Margot belittled in this way? Apparently she doesn't feel so. Because again, she picked up that question, answered it, said she appreciated the challenge, said she appreciated what Quentin gave her to do, and how he gave her the room to walk around and actually use her body to act and express her character in that way. So that was really cool of her to to hear from her. So if there was an issue with the role, she doesn't seem like she saw one, at least not publicly. Yeah. So... These are questions that we're going to answer. Nobody knows right now. Obviously. Tarantino
0: does do an awesome job with montage. So if she's Oren Ishii, if she's Ellie Driver from The Kill Bills, they don't have a lot of dialogue in those movies. Those are powerful characters. I don't know. I think it could work still.
1: I think what's important is that yes, there could be issues with Tarantino. You highlighted that, and it's also we're not wiping away the very real issues that actresses have brought up. On Tarantino sets before. I mean, there's a whole issue with Uma Thurman and how she felt he was uh, reckless with putting her in dangerous situations filming the Kill Bill. Like, there's very real grounds for which you can ask something like this. I just don't think if you're going to do it, you should eschew the woman who you're talking about when the question should be to her anyway. I mean, that's a Margot Robbie question. Uh, How did you feel about your performance in this film? How do you feel about what your character was given? And she can answer it any way she wants. Now, if she comes out in a couple weeks and it's leaked through the press that she had an issue with it, well, okay, we got something here maybe. And maybe some people will need to apologize to the reporter.
0: We got to see the movie. We got a couple months too. So let's talk about the trailer a little bit real quick. Pacino loves Leo's movies. Leo's a has-been. We got that fun scene. Leo's screwing up on set. And then we basically figure out that he lives next door to Sharon Tate, Polanski, and the Manson family visiting. Yeah, and this And Brad dark. Pitt's visiting the Manson family. Big, fun song. Yep. Involved. And Neil great, Diamond. Again, yep. Yeah, great montage. And love the trailer. Again. Is the
1: lasting image from this movie going to be that Leo dance number? Where he's just...
0: has <laughs> got that look on his face and shaking the his arms. Gift, the best gift. The gift that makes me so happy. He's
1: nominated, right? Like, off this trailer, he's nominated. The last,
0: yeah. <laughs> easily. I mean, he when him getting mad at himself at himself
1: in the trailer talking to himself and just swiping at pillows oh it's he i said this to your brother too like he's beyond reproach at this anything he does it just is a bigger deal because he's attached to it now you take a tarantino movie which is a big deal anyway and leo's in it it's gonna be like a huge deal this one did was darker than the first teaser trailer i thought because we do get i mean the manson family's going to be evil in this they're staring they're walking up the driveway and you can see the knife and they're silhouettes and they're holding a knife at the end of the trailer yeah so there's very real stakes here very actual true to life things it seems or events it seems like is going to be commented on
0: damn it's gonna be i mean he's done it before yep with movies that have been as dark as ever as brutally violent as any movie we've ever seen with the heaviest of subject matter and he's and you know it's still funny and they're they're all making right
1: and it's a tightrope like every tarantino movie is a tightrope right Mm -hmm. so uh, and again we're separating the issues any kind of issues with him on set versus what we're going to actually see on the screen so again just speaking about what's on the screen i i can't wait i really can't and i think that again this is going to be a huge year 2019 in film and blockbusters anyway i think we are if you're the big popular film advocate like Mike Mike, and Oscar have been throughout our run here. We think that things like Mission Impossible should have gotten Academy recognition. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a big year for, for us. I mean, Toy Story 4 is going to make a, a lot of money. It's going to be up there. This one's going to make a lot of money. It's going to be considered. If the Irishman actually ever comes out, it's probably going to make a lot of money if it gets into theaters.
0: Us, Endgame, yeah. Captain Marvel, they all have a fighter's chance, puncher's chance, something more than that. Mike, we got an announcement to make based on this filmmaker we this teased film. this for a while now we, we have a big
1: announcement and i uh, going alongside if you've joined us for our pixar rewatch series which has just finished our ninth iteration of that came out what i don't know what day today is yesterday <laughs> yes our la- last episode before this one was the latest entry into our pixar series we reviewed the movie brave uh we are reviewing every pixar movie in the lead-up to toy story 4 which will be out in june mm-hmm. july Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, so soon, this week, we're going to be unveiling the first in our series of Quentin Tarantino rewatches. Had to do it. We will be going through his filmography in the lead-up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hopefully going to give you one episode per week. It's going to be two episodes, two weeks, if we plan it right. Take that with a grain of salt because you know how our best laid plans end up most times. But yes, we will be doing a Quentin Tarantino rewatch series uh, from the beginning of his career all the way up to and through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which will end once that movie comes out with an Oscar sprint profile for that
0: film. And we're... Brainstorming a couple of segments, yeah. we're gonna do something about the screenwriting, something about the the backstory. You'll get all the you know the normal goods delivered plus a few extras. So we're gonna have fun with that. We're gonna put our own spin on it on each and every film. And we're gonna dive into it, all the pros and the cons, because these movies for sure you know they're not perfect films. We've already reviewed Django Unchained a little bit in a pre- past Oscar category overview. And uh, I think uh, I think we're, we've praised him otherwise for *Inglorious Bastards*. For his films. filmmaking, we, you know, yeah. we're, we're fans.
1: And I'm very much curious to see how, uh, from an Oscars lens, how. His lesser-known films stack up in the years of the Oscars. Yeah, uh, you know Jackie Brown. I'll be honest; I've never seen. I would love to see something like Jackie Brown and compare it to what came out. Even though I think it was '97, which would be a poor year to pick, but which is a loaded year at the Oscars. But uh, you know, something like Jackie Brown, something like Kill Bill Volume Two, how that stacked up and why it was ignored by the Academy like it was. Mm-hmm. I, I would love. I'm very curious to see these types of stories uh, play out. And so that's what we're going to have in store for you guys. Like we said, starting this week with the very first Tarantino movie, Reservoir Dogs. That is going to be the first episode in our Quentin Tarantino rewatch. We're going to have a brand new logo, going to have a brand new type of episode, all brand new things for you. You can catch all that on our social medias, uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and oscar on Twitter. For now, Mike, let's move into what we're watching and talk about some things that uh, I
0: I promised a couple people you and I are going to fight. Yeah, yeah, it's what we're watching. We're about to fade. Thank you. Now, what did you watch? All right. I'll, I'll take the first two before we get into the what we watched in common. At the Heart of Gold inside the US gymnastics scandal. My god, this broke my heart yeah. a couple different times. At least 3 times. I'm just like fighting back tears. Just a gruesome, terrifying story about a child predator yeah. and uh, it's just you know, I couldn't bring
1: myself to watch it last night.
0: The courage of these these women. Astounding it really bowls you over, especially the first girl to come forward and to have her give the last testimony in the courtroom, which was done deliberately, you know, what a moment that they got that on camera. So, I mean, there's a lot of downside to the modern age, but to be able to, to show, a hero like that get that hero the right word there were
1: some downright heroes during that trial and the victims giving their testimony it was strength that you hope you never have to find within yourself but these women did it and put it on full display and they should be applauded and rewarded and and incredibly brave they are truly inspirations
0: they do try and find some silver linings at the end it's just a, it does fall a bit hollow but at the same time a lot of these gym- gymnasts are they're showing the kids actually doing gymnastics too so it is a somewhat happy ending that they're you know they don't demonize the sport necessarily it's this yeah this demon within Awful. it so it's just a, a nightmare situation but a, a hell of a documentary hbo always does a good job unfortunately i could not bring myself to finish leaving neverland i don't. I know you watched it I, yeah it's
1: rough it's 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 very rough it's not easy about a half i couldn't hour. i couldn't
0: get into this yeah so it's you know it's not easy so it's rough no no way to transition here (laughs) still laughing the stars celebrate this is a Netflix special about an old network television series I guess laughing laughing
1: it was the million the first person to ever win who wants to be a millionaire to ever win the million dollars laughing Richard Nixon being on laughing was the million dollar question
0: my god anyway it's more of a fun like little mini doc about the old series than it is a funny comedy show like, it's not very funny. Um, it's kinda, not It's not funny at all. Like, I don't remember laughing. Maybe, oh, no. I maybe laughed once. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish had a few moments. But it's, it's just not funny. Haddish is the host, right? Haddish and Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was just not in the mood to laugh at anything this week. We'll get into more on that in a second. Mm. But I was just not... Laughing. <laughs> Gosh darn it. And I also can't make people laugh. Yeah. Maybe that is the source of all my. You'll get there
1: someday, buddy. So we watched
0: <laughs> yes the unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience, a lonely island visual poem.
1: This is the greatest thing to hit television in 30 years. <laughs> so you sent out
0: like a bunch of text messages, you sent out tweets. It was all coming to me, and I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I turned it on. And I'm watching it. And it's just like, this is so dumb. This is the greatest,
1: greatest thing to ever happen. The Netflix streaming,
0: I, entertainment electricity. I chuckled hard, <laughs> a hearty chuckle. My there a, were four nine, eight or five, or nine times. like major laughs. laughs. Like
1: with Sterling K. Brown singing. Do you know who Sterling K. Brown's character is? Do you know who he's credited as being on the IMDb page? No. His character is Sia. The woman singing the song, the multi-platinum artist, he is playing Sia in that multicolored wig, singing (laughs) about silk robes and kimonos. (laughs) Yes!
0: It's genius! It's funny. It's
1: It's the dumbest comedy ever, but it's so... I mean, it's The Lonely Island. It's what The Lonely Island does best. They turn songs about being on a cruise ship into
0: a platinum gold record. It's a little exasperating. You must have like 30 <laughs> minutes of music videos, and it's all the like same they're great. I'm ongoing. trying to get you an
1: out, but don't do this to me. It's they're all great. <laughs>
0: This is so subjective. <laughs> it's subjective and you're an overhyping uh, overhyped monster is what you are. Shake your butt. Shake your butt. We I are I <laughs> shake that nasty butt. Yeah, I laughed at that. Well I, I, I laughed.
1: I laughed. I did it. The whole premise is based on a nineteen eighty-eight hip-hop learned, album yeah. made by Jose Canseco and Mark
0: McGuire. What? <laughs> I live, I grew up collecting their baseball cards. Yeah. Loving those two. The Bash Brothers, Ricky Henderson. By the way,
1: who are two of the biggest, most muscular, steroided up people. And played by Andy Sam. Played by the Lonely Island. Who put on no muscle suits. Just like bashing forearms with their regular
0: physiques. Oh, it's just layered in just stupid comedy. It is definitely stupid comedy. I'll give you that one. To me, the biggest laugh of the whole thing was mentioning the catcher's name, Walt Weiss.
1: Andy Sandberg goes on a five-minute rap, the joke? just naming baseball teams. All of it, gold. If you like stupid comedy. Bronze, it's fine. Oh, how dare you? It's (laughs) fine.
0: As you like to say, it's fine. What else did you watch? Please get us out. I watched Afterlife,
1: which is a uh, six episode, seven episode, really quick binge. I did it in a night. It's a Ricky Gervais show. It's about a man trying to move on after losing his wife. She succumbs to some illness Hmm. he has to learn how to move on and he's basically suicidal and it's one of those it's a character arc where he gives up all hope he just quits it he doesn't quit his job but he just stops trying at his job stops trying in his real life tries you know he's like i'm going i just want to kill myself and blah 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 and it's basically showing him not the meaning of life but that to turn it around to find happiness find your inner peace and that everything's okay it's a really unique arc it's got some dark dark humor because it's ricky gervais yeah it's not I mean, I'm not saying everyone should watch this. Like, everyone should absolutely watch the Bash Brothers documentary. But it's, it's a fun watch It's quick If you want a quick binge Like I said It's only six or eight episodes I guess a second season Is coming swear? out in 2020 It's on Netflix Okay, It's on Netflix I think it was made for Net- I think it's a Netflix original I'm pretty sure I've been listening to A lot of Brian and Vinny And wrestling fans Know who they are they're Brian Alvarez And Big Vinny V Some of their old episodes they're Through uh, Figure Four Online Wrestling Observer Radio They're one of the Two of the biggest Professional names As professional wrestling critics uh, They are an independent organization They're great Their tête-à-tête Is kind of an inspiration for me uh wanting to do this with you so if you ever want to go uh look at the, some of their stuff on youtube you could see you could see who's brian this who's is Vinny.
0: your okay so this is the <laughs> this is who you want me to become which one
1: brian or Vinny? i, I always i always thought i was more of a brian <laughs> God, you're such. and i'm in the doldrums man with my tv watching i'm just i'm waiting for big brother uh i watch paranoia on dropout that's really fun uh, but otherwise you know i'm just kind of just kind of chilling.
0: Well, as the Vinny of the group, I think we should move on a little bit here for a second. We got an audience interaction part one because we're going to do six degrees of MMO now. And then we're going to have a, a little send off for Game of Thrones because you guys rewrote the plot of yes. Game of Thrones. So that'll be at the end. But Mike, this is Beanie Feldstein from this week's Book Smart mm-hmm. to Dexter Fletcher who will be directing next week's big movie, Rocket Man. So the first one, and they preface it perfectly, Invasion of the Remake at Invasion Remake says, Here we go! Here we go! Beanie was in Fangirl with Meg Ryan, who was in You've Got Mail, and others with Tom Hanks, (laughs) who produced Band of Brothers, which featured dexter fletcher that's kind of cool you got fan you got fangirl you got producer and you got tom hanks
1: you've got mail was the first movie outing i went to with friends without adult supervision no yes you
0: <laughs> honky son of a bitch i think i was 11 12 yeah it was the first one your parents just follow you in there after like no, they mustaches just mustaches <laughs> on They put mustaches on afterwards, we
1: actually want to see this movie, too. You know how serious I took that? I are so proud of I didn't know you were joking at first. (laughs) I was like, no, I didn't do that. (laughs) Uh, Love Popcorn at Love Popcorn 6, number 6. Feldstein is the sister of Jonah Hill in real life, who was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall with Paul Rudd, who was in Perks of Being a Wallflower with Logan Lerman, who was in The Three Musketeers with Dexter Fletcher. Did you see The Three Musketeers remake? Yeah, yeah, they're they're all okay. I, I love
0: the books. Is that Love the one with the Mila du- Jovovich? Dumas books, I uh, I think so. Yeah,
1: you can tell how a student of period <laughs> history
0: I am. Well, there's the Charlie Sheen history one. Cinema. There's the Charlie Sheen Three Musketeers, and then there and I they imagine. made the Man in the Iron Mask after that, and then there was Three Musketeers with like the big fight scenes and right. One of the robbers from uh, Pulp Fiction. I was really hoping you were going to say Three Ninjas. Honey Bunny. Not Honey Bunny. She, Keep she, cool, Honey Bunny. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna get this is this Brian Minnie enough for you so far? <laughs> and the runner-up at Oscar Runner Up said Beanie Feldstein was in Ladybird with Lucas Hedges, who was in Boy Erased, with Nicole Kidman, who was in The Hours, with Meryl Streep, who was in Mamma Mia with Colin Firth, who was in the Kingsman films, with Taryn Egerton, who stars in Rocket Man, directed by Dexter Fletcher. I love this because it's so Oscar-y.
1: Yes, very Oscar-y also. I'm so fat I just inhaled and genuinely snorted just by inhaling, so I got to lose weight. <laughs> pop Culture Review at Pop Culture at Pop Culture Review. Wait a minute. The RE in culture is the RE in review. So it's Pop Culture Review. Oh nice. Yeah, uh, I went deep cut on this he says. Beanie was in an episode of Orange is the New Black as was Laurie Petty who was in an episode of ER as was Zac Efron which they followed up by providing me the clip of. So yes, Zac Efron actually in ER, he did not do well in that episode. Who was in The Disaster Artist with James Franco, who was in Tristan and Isolde with, Isolde? Isolde? Tristan and Isolde? He
0: sold? I sold I know. I
1: don't know. I sold E with Dexter Fletcher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Swamp Think at Wojciech Weischer says, at the Dexter Fletcher wedding, Alan Rickman was his best man. Uh, God damn it, Voychik. Rickman, So good. <laughs> Rickman was in Dogma, directed by Kevin Smith, who appeared in Disaster Artist by James Franco, James Franco's brother appeared in 21 Jump Street alongside Jonah Hill, whose sister is Beanie Feldstein. See, this is why we're not Brian and Vinny,
1: though, because Brian's a really fit guy, and he's, like, he did gymnastics for years. (laughs) I sit a lot. (laughs)
0: neither of us are actually comparable right (laughs) uh
1: yasna yasna i'm sorry is back beanie feldstein in book smart with lisa kudrow who was in angie tribeca the pilot episode with rashida jones of course the star of that who was one of the writers of black mirrors episode nosedive Mm. starring bryce dallas howard who was in rocket man
0: directed by dexter fletcher nice very quick I like that episode. Huh. Mark Burgundy at the one Hanson says Beanie Feldstein was on an episode of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon alongside Billy Crystal, who had an uncredited role in The Tooth Fairy with The Rock. The Rock was in Jumanji with Jack Black, who was in King Kong with Thomas Kretschmann, who's in Baby Geniuses 2. With Scott Baio? Love that. This is like a whole other <laughs> industry of movies that just, I know nothing just about. Just picking names on a dartboard and throwing. Scott Bayo was in Bugsy Malone with Dexter Flesher. What? Bugsy Are, Malone is a
1: movie? I don't know. Wow, wait a minute. Did, did, did Mark Hansen just lie to us like eight times? <laughs> Uh, no, apparently he's telling the truth. Scott Baio played Bugsy Malone in Bugsy Malone from 1976. Yeah, we looked up one person. That.
0: And Super Babies, Baby Geniuses, Baby too. Geniuses too. Yes, I remember that. Scott Bayo plays a character called Stan Bobbins. <laughs> Just want you to know that, folks.
1: He's no Bob blah. blah uh the depressed movie goer the winner again this week as he has once before at depressed movie beanie's brother is jonah hill who was in 21 jump street based on a tv show which starred johnny depp Uh uh-huh depp was in benny and june which featured 500 miles by the proclaimers uh, who had their music immortalized in the hugely underrated sunshine on the leaf directed by dexter fletcher and you know I wanna be, I wanna be the man. We have an old rule of thumb here at Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Anytime you can work in the Proclaimers, proclaimers five hundred miles, win. you win. So congratulations, depressed yeah. moviegoer, on not only uh, your win but also ruining so, the rest oh, of Mike and Mai's day because it be will
0: my never get out of our head. Gloriously for the rest of the you day. are the winner
1: of all things six degrees of MMO relevant this week. Congratulations for all of the bragging rights that go with it. But Michael, we have a new challenge for our listeners next week
0: so yeah have fun with this it may be easy it may not be we've done no check work whatsoever zero so we're gonna go from millie bobby brown who is starring in this week's godzilla Mm -hmm. king of the monsters Mm -hmm. to maya erskine who is going to be the star of Plus One, a trailer that we're going to cover in a few minutes. That is also the Audience Award winner at Tribeca yes. when we did that film festival recap there. She is hilarious. In fact, Mike just got mad at me because I kept watching the clip <laughs> that I saw her She's very, very funny.
1: Uh, she's also the star of Pen15, which a lot yeah. of people love on Hulu. I don't own Hulu, so I have yet to see it, but I want to.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, So that's
1: your challenge this week. Millie Bobby Brown to Maya Erskine. That is your next challenge for Six Degrees of MMO going into next week. We'll have a quick box office update right now because we're recording this uh, during the day Saturday. So we can only really work off
0: Friday numbers and projections. But Aladdin did well, Michael. Yeah, it's tracking for a three-day performance of about 87. And the four-day holiday total will be around 110. A cinema score, which is a big deal.
1: A lot of people that I trust have said this movie is okay, Right. which is, like, mind-blowing compared to what I said about it last week. We
0: were getting worried yeah. for it. Rightfully I'm, so. I'm probably going to wait and just see it on video. I, I have like
1: no it. interest in seeing this <laughs> I really don't either. I'm desire. sorry. I think I've killed it for myself, but I'm glad it's good. I'm glad people seem to be enjoying it. It's not the train wreck that I think both you and I kind of talked ourselves into expecting yeah. it being. Booksmart Smart is the movie I'm going to see
0: this week, I think. Yeah, and, and that, both that know.
1: and Brightburn seem to not be doing too great. Brightburn's tracking for a $9 million weekend, Book Smart's tracking for an $8 million yeah. weekend. Uh, they both seem to be on their way to make money at least, which is yeah. a good thing, but the, both those numbers are a little under what their projected original originally were which is a bit worrisome scott mendelson wrote this up for forbes and he has the projections down and he said it right in his article if you want movies like book smart to keep being made and put in theaters you actually got to go see them in theaters and he's absolutely right And he's got me nailed dead to rights because i'm one of those people and i haven't seen this yet
0: Brightburn is probably a movie that worries me as well so i'm, I'm not like i don't need do i need to see those in theaters and Book Smart, I think I need to see it. I yeah, know, I, I would
1: ridiculous. agree. The artistic integrity type yeah. thing, the auteur thing that Olivia Wilde is doing on that. Brightbird, we talked about I, I mean, I said pretty much how I feel about it last week. It's a unique genre. And if this is gonna be the first test balloon and it fails, you know, okay. It still sounds like it's gonna make money. Mm -hmm. So I don't really see that as a failure at all, except that the critics aren't high on it. So, okay, you live with that sometimes. We'll move on now. That's like I said, quick box office update because we just don't have that much to get our hands on as far as tangible numbers go. So we're gonna move now into, do you care? This is the Do You Care segment of Mike, Mike and Oscar Weekly. This is where we take other news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we should we or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask Michael here how he feels about the upcoming releases that will be out later this week when you're listening to this. So for May 31st, releasing nationwide, we have three big ones, or at least relatively big ones. Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters, Mm -hmm. Ma, King of the Ma's, (laughs) and Rocket Man. Gonna be a long, long king of the time. All releasing nationwide. Do we care about any of these? What if Ma's
0: subtitle was King of the Monsters? <laughs> Ma, well? King of the Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so Ma doesn't have reviews yet. I'm still very curious to see that because Octavia Spencer, she's terrific
1: talented people doing talented th- If um, she wants to play against type, I'm all for it.
0: Rocket Man has 88% rave reviews from a lot of people. I can. Everybody says it's better than Bo rap Okay. Is I, that a
1: bar? I mean, is I, that a cross it's a bar? Cross? I
0: guess. What, what,
1: better than Bo Rap, Hal, I guess, would be my question. Because, like, it's not going to do better numbers financially, I don't think. Better performances? Uh, they won the but Oscar. we all hated the performances, but it won the. You know? We didn't hate the performances. We didn't like the movie, I should say.
0: Right. Godzilla looks like a lot of fun. We're, we're planning. Don't even say it. We're planning a collab with a friend on another podcast. We hope to do it. You'll see we'll see hopefully life doesn't get in the way but maybe <laughs> life life always gets in the way uh but bottom line is yeah i'm in for all three of these movies they're they're intriguing they're first time in a while right where every
1: nationwide opening seems like a big deal and it's the end of
0: may it's summer season but here's three movies that demand you kind of see them in theaters in a way like ma could be a horror hit and yeah it, i'm hoping it is and it might creep you out i'm i'm Excited for that Godzilla is just going to be a visual spectacular And Rocket Man's going to be a musical spectacular You want to go into a Dolby surround yeah, theater And listen to that film So I'm, I'm all about it
1: Very good point for all three, I agree
0: Some sad and some ugly news About Jason Mitchell this past week Deadline had a big article I, I'm also pulling from YourTango.com Jason Mitchell was fired, Mike By The Shy he yeah, has a television series series on Showtime. He was fired by the movie Desperados, where yeah. he was starring in that, and then he was fired by his agent. So that's the and that, his management. Company. Yeah,
1: that's the levy that broke for me. As far as you know, I didn't do too much digging into this story, um, but I will say, one believe victims, believe people when they're saying. We say that all the time. Two, if there is enough for an agency. And yeah. a management company to say they need to distance themselves from your falling star and your star is falling because of abuse allegations, whether so, yeah, sexual or Ho- physical. Hollywood that, Reporter yeah. seemed
0: to confirm that it was sexual misconduct okay. allegations. That's
1: kind of a big deal to me. I mean, that, I mean, not just to me, but that's like, it's tough to talk your way out of the benefit of the doubt.
0: It's he's had a a rough past too. He's been yeah. accused before of of various things, and it's sad. It's 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 and it's ugly and it's terrifying. This guy's star was on the rise. I mean, his career was yeah. He was he a made. hot property. Now his career, Mike, is just. I mean, over. Right. I mean, what is he gonna get after this? Uh, yeah. Uh, look. It's 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 always we hate talking about
1: these things. We hate it. And I'm sure, you know, but they need to be commented on because, like you said, he was a big deal very recently. And it is it is a rarity when there's a company, an agency out there that takes the allegation and gets in front of it like these management companies and this agency seems to be doing. This doesn't happen often. So that, to me, again, I don't want to comment on it because I haven't read too much in depth into it. But to, to have that out there would signify that there's something serious here that has evidence yeah, before, behind it
0: before this happened would you have been surprised if jason mitchell was nominated for an academy award two years from now
1: no but based strictly right. on talent no he, uh, was, you know? he was building yeah. towards it
0: like he was the top in our top 10s top 15s yeah. from uh straight out of compton the mudbound i mean he was on the rise
1: and we talked about we were huge fans of his talent and his work and yeah i mean no i absolutely wouldn't have been surprised with this again we hate commenting on it but it's good for bad people to be kind of demonized. And if he did these things, and there's enough evidence here where people that close to him are saying they can't oh, yeah. be associated with him,
0: no, it suggests get,
1: that he's done some bad actions. Let's
0: get justice. I mean, I know the shy, and I know people looked into it. They've done investigations. Yeah. I mean these allegations are out there now though and let's let's see what happens
1: all right mike try to transition away into maybe some happier things there's new photos and a vanity fair article covering all things star wars
0: we suck at transitions don't well we're good at transitions we suck at programming this episode because like seriously well
1: you know i mean maybe
0: maybe don't be a
1: bad person and we don't have to talk about you
0: Well, we get to talk about some Star Wars photos. And this is an amazing article on Vanity Fair. Go and read it. There's a lot of cool stuff. The photos are great. You got different droids, it looks like. You got bounty hunters. You got like this female Boba Fett. You got the Knights of Ren being hinted at which I don't know what that is. I just know it's like Kylo Ren's (laughs) whatever gang. Maybe they're all from like, there's just snapping. The sharks and the The jets is what you're saying? (laughs) I don't know. The Ren side stories? Mike, I'm going to ignore that and push past it really fast (laughs) while I think of the next thing to say. Mike, the uh, green screen in the desert was a big part of this article fascinating because one of the actresses is like, "JJ, why is there a green screen in the desert? Why do we have to be in the desert right now? We could be in a studio. Why are we in the middle of the desert?" Cuz they basically they they made a small town. You know, there's like 70 people in the creature department. There's the cast and crew and the extras and they basically drove out, they built miles of roads to build this little set in the desert where he builds a green screen and he's just like, "Well, the lighting would hit the sand." in a certain way here <laughs> and it wouldn't i would have never thought to do that in a studio somewhere so it has to be here so apparently so they, you're, you're very excited you sound very excited i'm pretty excited yeah. now here i got a couple things that that give me pause the leia scenes like jj abrams was like what the hell do we do with this impossible situation Leia's sure. Beloved, she won't be recast cgi just feels like it would harm her. Not legacy, but Not do justice to the character, yeah. So if we do a CGI tribute, that's that's going to be rough. How do we do this? And then he remembered some footage from the last time he worked with her in The Force Awakens.
1: Yeah, he talked about this on the day as of Star Wars Celebration, how everything you see Leia-related is going to
0: be stuff that was already shot. So it's actually going to be Carrie Fisher. So here's the thing. Like, if they shot Leia's death scene in The Force Awakens, it wouldn't have been a dilemma, Right. Now, you would okay. We already did this. We have the solution because we did this already. Sure, but he sounds like he had to really do this. He, he said he quote Venn diagram kind of weird backwards rationale thing to to weave that mm. scene into the script. Her daughter, Billy Lord, I believe it is. She's going to be in the movie too. She's actually in scenes with her mother. In oh, them, geez. but obviously, they did fancy camera tricks where they she's not in the scenes with her daughter. Obviously, after post mortem, that would be impossible. Yeah, well, um, huh, that's uh, right? Doesn't that give you a little pause? Isn't that a look, little weird?
1: All they have to do is be better than what the Sopranos did with Tony's mother after that actress passed. Because that was like the worst job of retconning it. I... Uh, it was s- bad. Okay. I'll like take they, your word they for yeah, it. they used like a stunt double and shot from behind her because it was supposed to be her. And then they used old footage of, and it was so retconned and it yeah. just looked sloppy. It took away from the presentation. So, uh, I trust J.J. Abrams because why wouldn't you? So I'm willing to to believe him. Even though, yeah, it sounds like it was a hell of an ordeal to get that in. Now, good for him because if he didn't figure out a way to get it in, I think there would be. Kind of a mutiny on his hands. I mean, you have to do something with Leia character here.
0: You absolutely have to. And everybody's still wondering what the rise of Skywalker means. Which Skywalker, who's it referring to? Is it Leia? We don't know. So if they shoehorned in a deleted scene from the first movie... Right, it's got to be more than that. High degree of difficulty, though, right? It's got to be more than that. that. That makes me worry a little bit and he also doesn't seem behold as beholden to the original trilogy with this movie i think he's heard the detractors from the force awakens basically like it's a holiday special of star wars characters <laughs> like the you know our uh, matt um, stone and trey parker said our south park guys but he literally in the article says in certain scenes i was like fuck it I'm just going to shoot things how I want them to be shot, and I don't care what it's calling back to. That's paraphrasing, but he did say, fuck it. That's J.J. Abrams. So that was kind of cool.
1: Star Wars is going to do well. It's
0: (laughs) going to do well. It's going
1: to do well at the box (laughs) office is my hot take.
0: Speaking of another (laughs) filmmaker and film that will probably do well, Christopher Nolan titles his next film, Mike, strangely enough, Tenet, and somehow adds to the cast.
1: Yeah. I mean, good God. So here's the way I look at it. And I said this on Twitter. And again, I'm repeating myself, but I mean it. If you're famous, you're either in Dune or you're in Christopher Nolan's movie. You're, you got to remember which one you're in because you're in one of those. It
0: might put an end <laughs> to our six degrees of MMO. That's <laughs> yeah, a good point.
1: Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, John David Washington, Kenneth Branagh was added, Michael Caine was added, Clemens Posey was added, Dimple Kapadia was added, Ludwig Gorenson is doing the score, so not Hans Zimmer there. Black Panther composer there. And apparently it's a spy movie.
0: We know that now, too. It better be a spy movie with the, you know, or a philosopher movie. I don't think it's going to be a philosopher movie with Tenet.
1: Just troll us. Just troll us, Nolan. I'm begging. I'm begging one of you big people to just troll us. Like, make a bad movie on purpose with all these famous people. Like Will
0: Ferrell making a lifetime movie. Like Springtime
1: for Hitler. I want the producers in real life, is what I want. Uh, Let's move in now to some trailer thoughts. Trailer. Couple big trailers as we mosey on towards the end of MMOW here. Mike Toy
0: Story 4 had another one. Ah, the old plush rush. <laughs> the old plush rush. That's horrifying. Literally horrifying. Can you imagine? It's that only that the second
1: time the toys would have been coming to life to a human, right? The first
0: time was Sid. They literally just <laughs> tackle her. They tackle an old
1: grandmother.
0: Keen <laughs> Peel playing the ducky and the yeah. and the bunny or yeah. whatever. Oh my Is god. Is that what funny. our insides look like? <laughs> that was funny. So I think Woody's gonna die. You, you think I, so? I, huh? <laughs> I bet you can't wait for our guests to plot on this movie, folks. <laughs> Do you really think that? I don't know. I How can a toy die? I, I Mr. Potato Head I loses like, they his they features alive?
1: every movie. How and he alive? just sticks
0: them back in. <laughs> Maybe they, they have to get hit in the brain or by fire. So they're zombies. <laughs> I don't know. So they randomly run into Bo Peep. I think that's a little much, I will say. I dig I dig the part that Bo Peeps an action hero, cool, fine. Yeah. I'm not into the fact that they just Happen upon her like the biggest world for these toys is like one block of real estate. <laughs> they go on a cross country trip and they happen to run into a toy that used to be the, with them.
1: Maybe it's not the Bo Peep though. Maybe it's just that line of toys. Like maybe all Woody's that it were sold be. are Woody's. Maybe there's just a bunch of time a shared consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: some end game shit going on. They live under the uh, world and sewers. <laughs> Mike, that uh. Dance. <laughs> yeah, but maybe I shouldn't question this because the toys are alive. Yeah, I don't know.
1: This looks great, but at the same time, like, Toy Story 3 was a perfect ending to this series. Right. So I, I don't, don't know, know how they're writing themselves back from
0: this. Is this a money grab? We don't know. We're a little worried. We did do a 20 part preview <laughs> uh, that we're in the middle of right now. Yeah, so. but you see, really? even
1: if it is a money grab, it's going to grab a lot of money. So it's going to be successful in that regard. That's a good point. You know, that's a good point. I, I think that's so. Oh, that's safe to say. But it does look funny. It looks great. Pixar's animations are, especially watching the the continuation and the progression of their animations. It is
0: unreal how amazing everything looks right now. Oh, it does look great. And I, I I like how like Woody gets stepped on and his face is like crooked <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that was genius not the rain
1: looked i mean for all the trouble yeah. we talked about with their issues with water in the past the rain looks awesome eh. oh, go listen to our old Pixar episodes our Pixar rewatch series there's a lot of good stuff in there about what the company's done in its history we're having
0: a lot of fun with it and yeah i mean if you haven't listened to those yet Basically, you'll have a 20-part preview. <laughs> That's right. We look out for you. Toy Story 4.
1: Speaking of boring movies, Downton Abbey's a thing. You like no, it? No, Chef's Kiss
0: is <laughs> not magnificent. You like well, you watch the show. I did watch the show. It was a Sunday night thing, going to the parents' house, watching it with mom. Listen, I wanted at least 15 Maggie Smith quips. In this trailer, and I'm very upset that I I didn't even get a half a quip. You got one at the end, almost. No,
1: and she's just like, Woo! she's like waxing poetic about her quip. She's like, do you got any more limericks or
0: like yeah, funny one? So one-miners? you know there's a quip in there, but yeah. we didn't get to hear it. Production design, Mike. You tell me that this doesn't have. Is that phenomenal- a real place? Yeah. It's a real... Th- I don't and, and know. The, the favorite was nominated last year. They went to a real place. They just went to Kingsley Castle. Oh, I'm not... I'm not con-
1: I didn't know if it was a real place or if that's just made up. I don't yeah, know it looks great. It it's called great. Downton
0: Abbey. I don't think Can I was... tell
1: you, like, for the first 10 years of this show, I thought it was, like, downtown Abbey. like Downtown, downtown Abbey. Judy Brown.
0: Downtown from yeah. the Abbey? Yeah, I didn't you know. I thought they're, we... like... There's, like, a bunch of friars.
1: I just thought it was, like, in, the, in some British town named Abbey. <laughs> it was, like, downtown Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. You are one hackney jalopy, <laughs> Thank I must you. say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a yeah, British insult. that. movie looks terrible. Nightingale! No, 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 no. First of all, no, we gotta go another 15 We can't 15 spend minutes, minutes on this. At least another minute. We cannot. 50. But Mary, she can't do anything for herself, Mike. Who's Mary? She's so Mary, right? What is a Mary? <laughs> Carson is in retirement, the big face guy. He's in retirement, and Mary, the spoiled Cancel daughter, after. she's got to go get Carson out of retirement because the King of Queen, King and Queen are coming. The King of Queens, Kevin Spacey. The King of Kevin Queens Spacey. and the King and Queen of England are coming, and she's... what is this show about? It's about running the castle.
1: So it's just the castle in like the twenties and thirties. Yeah, but they what do they do otherwise?
0: They clean stuff, <laughs> and they have balls and. So it's like just a, it's like a venue. Then there's like wars going on, not in the movie or not (laughs) in the show. (laughs) I mean, you don't see the action or the intrigue. It's it's decent drama, okay. And then there's one guy who's just like a shit magnet. Like he's always being framed for murder and stuff. It's great. What is the
1: time frame for
0: this? Bates, we always call him Master Bates. Jokes I have. You can myself. tell we're over
1: an hour on MMOW already.
0: All right, the Nightingale 1920s, was about, nice. Mike, it's nineteen
1: twenties. Great. Nightingale was set in eighteen twenty-five. This is the one by Jennifer Kent who did the Duke. Yeah. This is basically. I mean, the premise for this is like I spit on your Revolutionary War era grave,
0: right? It seems so. I would have expected her to make another horror film. I mean, in a way, this this is, is kind of yeah, but it's a revenge movie. It looks like. We got some strong performances. It looks that we have some tremendous production values. I'm guessing there's an unspeakable crime. Looks like rape in the early going. Yeah. And she grabs a gun and goes after these guys.
1: I'm in for this one. I don't like period pieces. This one actually set the stage. I actually watched this after the Downton Abbey preview. So I was like, oh man, what is with all these period piece dramas coming out? But no, this is is a period piece, but it's a period piece horror movie, which is kind of unique. It's interesting. I'm in. I'm, yeah. in. I'm in for anything Jennifer Kent does. Period. But same here. Same here, and I'm glad to see her spread her wings. To IFC Peace. Films team too, which which has a good uh, distribution record lately. Terminator Dark Fate
0: also came out, Michael. So, this actually looks pretty damn good. We got Tim Miller. We got the T whatever thousand. Basically, is just Venom. Yeah. And we have a plot st- structure or a cast structure, I should say. That has worked before and has not worked before. It has worked before recently in Halloween, where we have a young hero and old hero... And basically your throwbacks and then the new, new generation, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It didn't work in Indiana Jones and in the Refrigerator of the Crystal Skull <laughs> or whatever the hell that movie was called <laughs> because, Mike, we had an old hero. We had Shia LaBeouf. We have the, the, the old dude from the 80s, the old chick from the 80s. Why didn't it work there, though? Just because the story was so absurd? Because of the refrigerator, Mike. And because of the crystal skull. It's in the title. It's a spoiler in the title. It shows you why the the, the movie's not going to work. But Halloween chose to be a true sequel. Is my
1: point. You know, did, did Crystal Skull did that concentrate too much on trying to be a reboot and trying to be a new franchise for Shia LaBeouf?
0: No. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: a little bit. He's
0: kind of a young Indiana Jones. So you would say, gone.
1: don't lean too hard into Mackenzie Davis here? Well, I
0: worry because it's been done well if they feature the old fogies more. I agree. It Right? I mean, the Halloween did it by featuring right. the, the old I mean, protagonist.
1: That, the reason you make these movies is to like feed the nostalgia, Right. People don't want to necessarily move on from
0: what brought them here. I think that's kind of the mistake a lot of these sequels. Linda make. Hamilton gets a big payoff. Yeah. I like it that it's just a chase movie. Like, why don't we just get a chase movie with Venom going after a little girl and Spider Man protects her? Like, why is that not a movie? Like, all the Spider people just protect, like, T- Venom is the T1000. Like, how does every action franchise not make their own Terminator movie? Like, your chase movie. I'm getting chased by an awesome villain. How's this not happen?
1: Uh, that's a fair point. Isn't that a good question? Uh, that's a fair point. I, I think that would be genius. Yeah, I would. You also have to have at some point. You got to have the conflict. I mean, you have to stop running away. Do you though? Yes. All right. At the end of that <laughs> movie, that's the whole conflict. Does Does Laurie Strode not stop running away from Michael Myers? We're fine, I but th-
0: that's that's the whole thing. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I
1: agree. I agree. As long as you have that, but I, I'm excited for this. I'm far more excited for this than I have been for a Terminator movie since T2. Sure. I mean, I know 3 has its fans. I don't think Genesis or Salvation do, except for my brother, who loved them both. But
0: they're, I mean, everyone is okay. Like, nothing is just offensively bad that I've seen. Like, Terminator 3, Genesis. I haven't seen Genesis, but I've seen the Christian Bale one. Salvation, yeah. Salvation.
1: I I, I think with Tim Miller, who aced Deadpool, yes, directing this, James Cameron is also back as a producer on this. I think, hopefully, that the effects and the screenwriting, and the nostalgia, and the passion for wanting a decent Terminator movie has reached all kind of reached its peak to where we can get a solid B, B-plus Terminator movie back in our lives. And this one looks better than any Terminator movie I've seen in a long time, preview-wise.
0: There's a line in there, Mike. Because I was her. Let the time travel debates begin, No, it's begin, not right? a time travel
1: debate. I looked this up. I the B. Mackenzie Davis <laughs> is playing a character named Grace Linda Hamilton and Sarah Connor. They're not the same person. Move on.
0: Well, no, but Move on. Sarah Connor's the little girl. Move on. The
1: little girl. Move on. But she's
0: breaking all the time travel rules. I'm tired of these time travel debates. Stop
1: forcing them on me.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Last
1: one, Michael. We talked about it already. We hit on it. The Tribeca Audience Award for plus one. It's the Maya Erskine one that came out. It's basically something I wanted to hate. And God wanted damn, to hate. her charm and yeah. her charisma. She is so witty in this and so funny. I couldn't help
0: but love it. It's fascinating cuz he's not getting any jokes no,
1: in the trailer. He is
0: dead straight. It is her showcase. Yes. Yeah. Which is great and she's got the, the some raunchy comedy in there. It's right in the trailer. It's yeah, making but it's, me it's laugh Yeah, it's raunchy.
1: Hard. It's raunchy and hysterical, you know? Like it's it's, it's raunchy in the way that that early Judd Apatow stuff was raunchy.
0: I totally agree with you. I thought Tribeca audiences basically just got a halfway decent rom-com and they're like, "All right, fine. It's a fantastic rom-com." Yeah good no they got a, a crazy movie and it's a, let's go see it i am now
1: i have such a crush on her too of that character because that is just all i want in life for someone to say those things <laughs> that just make me laugh
0: you just want a parody of a romantic comedy yes that's all you yes. want i want life?
1: i want i want a love where we make fun of love <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh Uh, we thought we couldn't get to anything good in this episode (laughs) let's finish up
1: with some rewriting of game of thrones you asked our listeners and our audience if they could end game of thrones on their terms what would they do i think it's important we said it a couple times in the responses here too but i just want to reiterate uh for anyone that may have a problem with this Mm -hmm. uh we're not doing this as an uh indictment on what Benny and said obviously if you go back and listen to any of our episodes about game of thrones we say that as much we are very respectful and we think what they did is an incredible job and not anything anyone would be able to capably do we were just curious as to what our listeners and what fa- fans of the show kind of put their focus on and what they would have decided to tie up as loose en- uh, what they saw as loose ends, I guess, and what they would decide to tie up story-wise because, again,
0: it's impossible to tie up every story that uh, in a show like this. Sure, and people can have the debate. It's fun. It's a good debate. It's a worthy debate. Fine. I have no issues with you. This seemed like a fun little yeah. exercise in, uh, in 280 characters. And we love characters. A listeners' creativity yeah, the bottom line. Yeah, so we had fun with it. So before we get into this, this is going to be full spoilers for Game of Thrones. If we riff on this at all, we're going to be going into spoilers of the final episode, etc., etc. That's why we're tacking it in, uh, tacking it on at the end. So Sansa
1: killed Jon and had sex with the Night King. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. That's, that's what you wanted? No, that's what happened. That's what I saw in the finale. <laughs> Ryan L. Terry, at RL Terry, won. 1- it is his
1: question. He did give this to us, so we thank him.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Uh, Tyrion finds Cersei alive. Whoa. She stood near the wall. Sends <laughs> her to Essos. Uh, John agrees to marry Danny if Sansa rules the North, and... Tyrion is free. So, John negotiates. I was going to say, so, John's going to be the deal maker here, huh? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Danny allows trial by combat to decide. This is perfect. John defeats Grey Worm. Oh, Mano Romano. Tyrion. Tyrion is hand. Arya heads west. Time jump. Cersei gives birth. Her child sets forth to reclaim the throne. That's
1: one of the running themes is that some people wanted to set up a spinoff yeah. or a prequel or they're leaving Just themselves let open it never for that. yeah So I, we could see Ryan was invested there as well. Last week's movie podcast at Last Week's Movies I'd give it another season. This was also a frequently suggested thing. Make season eight the entire Battle of the North while furthering characters development and leaving clues as to who the King of the Throne will be. Season nine will be the battle at King's Landing giving room for Danny's fall to madness to develop
0: properly. How did they Not do this
1: Uh Because Everyone's contract Was up most likely
0: uh, <laughs> and Amelia Clark And Kit Harrington
1: Are really really Big stars right now That want to capitalize On other project Project properties
0: Anna C.E. Lannister Anna C. Lannister At Burn the Films Says Two more seasons Season 8 All about the White Walkers The Battle of Winterfell Is lost And our heroes Must retreat south So she wanted Them to lose Yeah Um where they get to Cersei. So now you have good guys and bad guys teaming up. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Which is what I thought they were going to have to do, to be honest. Uh, and then she says, I'd explore PTSD in a, in, a, in different characters after the long night. Then Azor Ahai, that would happen.
1: What is Azor Ahai?
0: You, you know what you need to know. It's the prince that was promised, or princess that was promised, flaming sword kind of thing. I don't know who became that, I guess. Arya? Would that not have been at the Battle of Winterfeld when their swords were on fire? Yeah, but it was supposed to be about one...
1: It's a prophecy it's about one just one, one true leader. So it's Neo. Okay. Nolan Roberts, at Nolan Roberts 17, John and Danny announced their engagement, angering everyone. This is what I was in favor for. But right before their plane takes off, they both realize they have different lives, and John goes back to being a bartender <laughs> at Cheers. I read that the first time. I died. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Uh, John and Danny, I was expecting him to get gone-girled.
1: Oh, really? So you thought... I think that's what a lot of people thought. You thought, and you did mention you thought his stubbornness would be the end of him. So that's the way you thought. In that kiss, you thought it was Danny slicing John's throat.
0: I thought it was Danny was going to be, it, she was going to tell him he was pregnant right as he was about oh. to stab her or something. Oh, wow. all right. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, I can go back to share, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell are we? Jessica, K at Jessica under, underscore K J E S C A, puts a picture of john snow on the throne
1: uh, and
0: he, she's like that should be the ending all the build up letting the audience know that the bastard was the true heir to the throne finally he realizes he needs to take up the duty even though he doesn't want it and become the king that was needed and the prince that was promised so she be honest, Jon. like
1: having not kept up with this show at all and just watched the last like four episodes john Get the fuck over it, dude. If your kingdom needs you and you're the rightful heir, just fucking do it.
0: Oh, John gets, John's got a good life, man. He's basically... Oh, yeah, great life living
1: out in fucking Antarctica with yeah, the people that killed him already.
0: <laughs> no, they didn't kill him. The... the Whatever. The crows killed him, John, uh, Mike. But he's going out with his friends. Excellent. <laughs> that's his life? His dog. That's a great life? That's the bar?
1: He enjoys the North. That's he to enjoys... Go to a disco. No. <laughs> top 5 for Fighting podcast at Top 5 for Fighting. Cersei and Jamie see each other and try to get to each other. Cersei sees Jamie get crushed and struggles to uncover him and gets buried herself, allowing them to die together but not giving her the comfort she got in the series. We needed to see her realize and regret her mistakes. This is actually very similar to something you and I talked about yeah. last week about uh, Cersei's ending and how it may have been more proper for Jamie to lose the battle against Euron. Was that the guy's name? Yeah. And, uh, and never and get to die Cersei. Die and Cersei Die
0: Alone. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been fitting for the for the villain, but they did. He, they did give her a reprieve. They did. We spent a lot of time in the books. We spent a lot of time with Cersei as a POV character. Makes some sense, but uh, yeah, that would have been good. He wanted to twist the yeah. knife there. Top five for fighting. Andrew Dight at Angry Digit. Wow. What is that song?
1: Something about Superman? Five for Fighting? What is that song? Fifteen. Yeah, that's all I can pick
0: up too. It's fifteen. Never I don't know. Like, I don't know what song Five for Fighting. <laughs> Are we still cut, are you cutting all that? Just go. Andrew Dite D- Digit whatever. We're freaking losing it. Seven-year-old Bran wakes up weeks after falling from the tower. It's all been a dream. I used to read Born Up magazine. He kills Jamie and Cersei. Salt and Pepper something, something on or he the something. Exposes machine. them. Uh, Robert executes them. Exiles Joffrey. <laughs> we can start the whole thing all over again. Not as
1: good as the fight for Fighting song. <laughs>
0: Why did that come in your head? Because the podcast was five for top five for... Oh, my God. Top five for, for... Five for five. I remember that song. I used to, I liked it for, like, a day. And then I hated it for, like, the rest of days. I hate you. And Swamp Thing, at Wojcik Weicher, Uh he said... You didn't pronounce his name twice this episode. Good job. If I had such an opportunity, this series would end with the Night King... On the Iron Throne.
1: That's another thing a- akin to the horror type ending that we were hinting with. Like, should this series, this show, with these stakes and this beheading and evil and ugliness and surprise killings every year, should it, is it even worth having a happy ending? It could have
0: easily had a horrifying ending, just leaving Danny there. Yeah, and have John having her reign and have John bend the knee. Right. I mean, sure. that, that that was an easy way to do it, but they. They actually had some uplifting themes by the end of it, I think. Damn fools. Ramon Urquiza is going to finish up here. At R-A-U-R-Q-U-I-Z.
1: They just say, wait for the books. I can't wait for the
0: books. I can't
1: wait. That's why I needed to ask you this question. Ah, long one today, guys. We had a lot to fit in with your creativity, which we really truly appreciate. And if we did not get to any of your responses either in the Game of Thrones finale rewrite or in Six Degrees of MMO, do keep uh, answering the MMO asks. Do keep answering Six Degrees of MMO. We will look forward to hearing from you. We do truly read every entry, and a lot of them make us laugh. We highlight the ones we can. We want to get to as many as we can every week, so keep those coming. And maybe you'll hear your name. Maybe you'll even win some bragging rights next week. That's going to be it from us for now. We are with you a couple more times this. This week, as always, at least four shows per week from the MMO Empire. Here, more Pixar in the pipeline. More Tarantino's going to. I guess first Tarantino's going to get started in the rewatch. Michael, any kind of words of wisdom? Anything you want to highlight? What do we got going on? Save me from rambling.
0: Rocket Man's coming out this week, so we're in for that. But is he going to be king of the monsters? (laughs) Oh, ma, ma, (laughs) king of the monsters. <laughs>
1: see that? As always, we want to know your questions, comments, concerns, anything you have on any of these topics today for MMOW or anything we cover in the MMO franchise, Pixar, Tarantino, anything we put MMO Asks on Twitter. You can reach us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar.com, at Gmail.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. That includes TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc., if you just type in Mike, Mike, and Asuka, you will see our smiling cartoon faces waving back at you, and if you have a a minute of free time, if you have enjoyed uh, at any point these name insane ramblings, uh, if you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, those truly do go a long way, and we really, really do appreciate each and every one of those, so we read those as well. When reality sucks, keep watching movies with us,
0: which I had no wisdom at the end of this (laughs) long episode of... Taking the stuffiness... Blanked. Obviously...
1: Out of award season. If you had to listen to this, it's not going to be hard to hear. Uh, and we will see you all next time. See ya.